If you have your Bibles this morning with you, and I hope that you do, if you find First Samuel, the 26th chapter, First Samuel chapter 26, and uh, today, uh, as we continue on in this passage of Scripture, um, some of these themes are going to sound very familiar uh, as we have been looking through the life of David. Um, but today, uh, I also want to read one passage of Scripture from the book of Titus, uh, chapter 3. And so if you'd like to, you can flip over there. If not, it's going to be on the screen uh, behind me. Uh, but t- today, as we start a new year, and I've really been praying about what the Lord wants for my life, first of all, because uh, as a believer, it is my job to know what God wants for my life first. And then after that, it's to pray for what God wants for our family. And then after that, uh, then I pray for what does God want for the church, his church here at 10 Mile. And uh, many times, uh, pastors get that backwards. It's what does God want for the church and then the family and then the individual. But Truly, my salvation is because I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not because I am a pastor or a member of this church or, or any of those things. They're, they're wonderful and special to me. But the thing that I just really have been praying about is, God, wherever we're at on the first Sunday of the year, Lord, help that to really be the focus. And as we've been walking through the Christmas season and continuing on our verse-by-verse preaching, we come to a passage of Scripture that I believe exemplifies something that God wants us to be about, and that is about mercy. You see, there are a lot of organizations that can do good. If you were to go into certain parts of the country today or the world, you will see um, non-for-profits that are secular and non-for-profits that are religious doing the same thing, feeding the poor. Uh, helping the homeless. Uh, If you go into certain uh, situations, you will find people who are lost and saved, who are good at their jobs, or who can be kind, and and saved people and lost people can both drop their money in the Salvation Army uh, cans during the holiday seasons. But the one place, the one group of people that extend mercy are believers. You say, well, Jake, I believe it's the government's job to extend mercy. No, it's the government's job to execute justice. And whether you like that or not, it's true. So if you and I break the law, it's the government's responsibility to deal with that accordingly. But the church are a group of people who have been extended mercy by God. You say, Jake, what is mercy? Mercy is God not giving us the punishment that we deserve for our sins. Now, I don't know if that means something to you, but it should. The Bible teaches that we are all sinners and that every single one of us, no matter how wonderful you think you are, no matter how special you think you are, all deserve the judgment of God. There is no one who has ever lived outside of Jesus that deserves to be in heaven forever. But because of God's mercy of not giving us the punishment that we deserve for our sins. You say, well, Jake, what's the difference between mercy and grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor, and it goes beyond mercy. It is not just giving us what we don't deserve. It's giving us something that we could never earn. And so not only does God spare us of judgment, through grace he offers us 
forgiveness of sin and salvation. And in Titus chapter 3, starting in verses 4 through 6, if you would stand with me, out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, I want you to hear what the Bible says about mercy, starting in verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His, He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Pray with me. Father, as we come this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would show us how to extend mercy. But, Lord, that you would help us to appreciate and to worship the fact, Lord, that you were merciful to us. Father, today I pray that you would show us what mercy looks like in a world, Lord, that has, has no idea what it looks like. So, Father, I pray today that you would help me to preach, that you would help me to speak clearly, to think clearly, Lord, to just be a vessel that you could use for your glory. So, Father, today I pray and ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You say, well, Jake, you, you said that the world doesn't understand mercy, but everywhere I look, people don't want to be held accountable for their actions. They want to be able to, to do what they want. And and, and they want that given to other people. No, that is selective justice. Now, don't miss this. And this might upset you this morning. And if it does, it's all right. It's not going to bother me at all. It's the simple fact that we know that there is a health crisis going on in our country today. But yet, if they really wanted to extend justice, they would not bus and fly hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants all across the country without having any kind of medical background or test. It's if you come across the border, we will move you into a town, a city, a place with no respect to the health crisis that is going on. But yet, if you want to go to church on Sunday morning, that is not advised because you and I do not make good decisions with our health. That is selective justice. Then you might say, well, Jake, what else does that look like? It's the simple fact that everyone in, in our country should be granted the freedom of speech, right? And, and we believe that under the Constitution. And so it is okay for them to talk about how bigoted you are as a Christian, how unacceptable it is for you to hold biblical values, but yet, they should have the freedom of speech to put in preschool textbooks things about transgender and, and sexual orientation and brainwashing children. That is selective justice. Told you it might make you mad, and that's okay. But what is mercy? Mercy is when you and I know that we deserved God's judgment. But yet God gave us his mercy. And we believe that we can extend mercy to others. And so what do you think that looks like this morning in our text? 
I'm glad that you want to know because I really want to tell you. But starting in verse 5 of 1 Samuel 26, we remember from last week that David has realized Saul has come out to kill him again. And we looked about the repetitiveness of this and how David has spent all of this time running from Saul, hiding from Saul, extending mercy and grace to Saul. And so today I want you to hear this. If you're taking notes, I've got four things this morning. Extending mercy doesn't come naturally. Extending mercy doesn't come naturally. Because if I was David, at some point I would be saying, I've had enough of this. I've had enough of this, uh, of doing nothing. I've had, uh, I've had enough of not defending myself. I am going to go on the offense. But listen how it begins here in verse 5. <clears throat> so David arose and came to the place where Saul had encamped. And David saw the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of his army. Now Saul lay within the camp, with the people encamped all around him. Then David answered and said to Ahimelech the Hittite, and to Abishai the son of Zariah, brother of Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with you. So David and Abishai came to the people by night. And there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head, and Abner and the people lay all around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now therefore, please, let me strike him at once with the spear, right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. Can you imagine this? If you are one of David's men, and you are watching the fact that Saul is asleep. His army is asleep. His guards are asleep. Everyone that is supposed to be protecting him and fighting for him is vulnerable. And David says, who wants to go down there with me? Now, I'm sure that in your spiritual sanctified mind, you're thinking he wants to go down there and make him a sandwich, right? Go down there and just be kind to him. No, if I'm a warrior... And my king says, let's go down there to a defenseless enemy. I'm thinking what? It's game time. We are finally getting out of the cave. We are finally getting off of the run. We're finally getting out of this position that we're in. And David's finally realized, even though he didn't do it in the cave, that we're going to end this once and for all. And so it's not that far-fetched. Don't think that Abishai was some murderous lunatic. He is thinking, there he is laying. I will take his spear and I will strike him to the ground. He will die. We'll be out of there and everything will change. You see, mercy doesn't come naturally. You see, he had experienced many of the same things that David had. He had lived in the cave. He had been on the run. He had watched his life be completely transformed. And in that moment, he felt that judgment, the judgment of God was his to give. And this morning, I want you to know something. There will never be a time in your life when you are living in the flesh that mercy will be your first motivation. You say, Jake, what is the danger 
of not reading your Bible? What is the danger of not being in church? What is the danger of not being in Sunday school? What is the danger of not being in prayer? When you are not being led by the Spirit of God, when you are not being uh, where God wants you to be, your flesh will make the decisions in your life. And mercy is not something that you can make on your own. It's not something that you can come up with. Mercy is something that you extend when you have experienced mercy. And so the church is the one place. It is the one group of people who can extend mercy to people. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God extends mercy to me. I'm glad that other people can extend mercy to me. You say, well, Jake, I've never had mercy extended to me. Have you ever been pulled over for speeding and got a warning? That's mercy. You deserve the punishment that you were supposed to get and you didn't get it. How many of you have ever done something and you've, you've really messed up and somebody was willing to forgive you and to give you a second chance? And, and, and maybe you broke a rule at work and yet you should have been fired, but they gave you another chance. You, you've broken someone's trust, but yet they still continued to love you and to care about you. You have received mercy. And this morning, I want you to know that you and I have to be willing to extend mercy to the people who have hurt us the most. David here is in this situation where he could choose judgment. I want to show you the second thing this morning, if you would, is extending mercy gives us an opportunity to honor God. Extending mercy gives us an opportunity to honor God. Look what it says here in verse 9. But David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall go out to battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please take now the spear and the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. So David took the spear and the jug of water by Saul's head, and they got away. And no man saw or knew it or awoke. Now don't miss this next sentence. For they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen on them. You see, God had caused Saul and his army and his guards to fall asleep. God put them in a humbled position. God put them in a vulnerable position. And then he gave David an opportunity to make a choice. You see, friends, many times God will put you in situations, not because he wants you to do the thing he wants you to do, but sometimes it's to learn to trust him. Why is it that James starts out literally that way, talking about, trials and tribulations, that it exercises your faith, that it teaches patience. And this is what he says here. David says, God's going to get Saul. God's going to either let him die naturally, God's going to kill him in battle, which we're going to look at, that's exactly what happens. Or if God wanted to, he could strike him down immediately. What is David is not saying is that he loves death, but he trusts the judgment and mercy and decision-making of God. 
And this morning, that is my question to you. Are you okay when God extends mercy to other people? I'm glad when God extends mercy to me, but I can tell you there have been some times in my life where I was, I was tired of God extending mercy to other people. Lord, if you would just give them what they've got coming. Lord, if you'd just deal with them. Lord, if you would just change them. Lord, if you'd just remove them. Lord, if you would just do something to ease what I'm going through. I don't know if that's ever been you or not. But friends, I have to learn. And you have to learn. And we have to learn as a church that God knows when to show mercy. And God knows when His mercy is going to be refused and He decides to give judgment. That is why the Bible tells us in taking the Lord's Supper that you and I who take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner bring judgment on ourselves. Believer, today I want you to know something. The world tells you that there's no sin, that there are no consequences for sin, and that all sin is the same, and that is not true. I don't want you to miss this. The consequences of sin are not the same for every sin. You say, Jake, I had a lustful thought and I moved on. That is sin. You've broken God's law. Absolutely. But if you're forgiven and saved and born again, God has you covered. But yet willfully choosing to live in disobedience to God's definition of biblical marriage is, will have much greater consequences for your life and your family, and your situation than that one thought. And so today I want you to know something. Where a society might struggle in certain areas, and the consequences be one thing, other sins will have greater consequences earthly. If I am to steal a pack of gum, there is a consequence. If I am to rob a bank, there is a greater consequence. And so this morning, don't believe the lie that all sin is the same. All sin is the same in the sense that it breaks God's law, but God punishes sin differently. And if you and I think that God is not going to pour out His judgment on our willful sin against Him, we are mistaken. And so this morning, don't take mercy as the free pass that God doesn't care about holiness and that God doesn't care about righteousness, and that God doesn't care about these things. But trust me that there is a time and a place when God says, enough. And this morning, I pray that God is merciful for me. I pray that God is merciful for us as a church. I pray that God is merciful for you as a family. But never forget and never take for granted God's mercy, because David says here that God will allow us to be merciful to Saul, but there is coming a day when God will do to Saul what God needs to do to Saul. And so this morning we've seen that extending mercy doesn't come naturally. Extending mercy gives an opportunity to honor God. And the third thing today is extending mercy gives us an opportunity to testify. Look what it says here in verse 13. Now David went over to the other side and stood on top of a hill afar off, a great distance being between them. And David called out to the people and to Abner the son of Ner, saying, Do you not answer, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who are you calling out to the king? So David said to Abner, Are you not a man? And who is like you in Israel? 
Why then have you not guarded your Lord the King? For one of the people came in to destroy your Lord the King. This thing which you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, you deserve to die. Because you have not guarded your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the jug of water that was by his head. Then Saul knew David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son David? David said, It is my voice, my Lord, O king. And he said, Why does my Lord thus pursue his servant? For what have I done? Or what evil is in my hand? Now therefore, please, let my Lord the king hear the words of his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, let him accept an offering. But if it is the children of men, may they be cursed before the Lord. For they have driven me out this day from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go, serve other gods. So now do not let my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord. For the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea, as when one hunts a partridge in the mountains. David literally gets a moment here to say, I've extended mercy to you. But he also does something else. He tells Abner, who is actually, when the Bible talks about a watchman who doesn't watch, is responsible for the blood that comes to those that they are watching. Abner's punishment would have been death for not protecting the king. But you'll see here that Abner is not put to death because Saul extends him. You see, David was the loyal, faithful servant, but yet Saul was trying to kill him. Abner is not a faithful servant, but yet he is extended mercy. You see, friends, you and I cannot control the decisions of other people. You cannot control if people have wronged you, righted you. You can't control if people believe the lies about you. You can't control if people have a different opinion of you than is the truth. But yet it does not change the fact that we are called to extend mercy to others. You say, well, Jake, I don't know if I agree with that. You know what? God is the only one who knows my heart. Every wicked thought I've ever had, every wicked deed that I've ever done, things that no one else knows about, but yet he knows every single one of them and is still willing to what? Extend mercy to me. He's willing to extend mercy to you. And so this morning, while we have to realize that us extending mercy to other people does not depend on the people who are receiving the mercy. It's the same principle about forgiveness. I have to forgive other people. Even if they don't want my forgiveness, they don't ask my forgiveness, don't appreciate my forgiveness, because why? If I don't forgive, that unforgiveness will eat me alive. It spreads, it hardens the heart, it changes everything, and we see this in the same way of mercy. You see, David could have struck him, or David could have been really spiritual and said, I won't strike him, but I won't strike, stop you from striking him. That's literally the Baptist gossip session. Well, I won't say anything about him, but if you want to, I won't feel that way, but if you want to, you go right ahead. But yet we 
have to understand that sometimes extending mercy is not just how we treat someone. It's when we speak up for how someone else is treating someone. You see, David did that. He said, no, don't strike him. And then he gives an opportunity to honor God by saying, God will handle it. God will take care of it. God knows what he's doing. Then it says that extending mercy gives us an opportunity to testify. As a believer, the reason that I can testify to the mercy of God is because I have been given the mercy of God. Think about this. The person who comes in, gives their heart and life to Jesus, who comes from a terrible background, who's lived a life of, of, of sin and wickedness, and they come in to the church and they find a place that loves them and forgives them and welcomes them and cares for them and treats them like they've never been treated before when the church extends them. And then you hear them stand up and say, I've been to a lot of churches, I've been to a lot of places, but this is the only place that I felt like I mattered. It's the only place I felt like people cared about me. It's the only place that I feel like that people genuinely care about my well-being. Why? It's because we care more about mercy than judgment. God will judge the lost. God will judge those in sin. That doesn't mean we don't hold people accountable. Don't take that at all as the case. But if you have the opportunity to extend mercy to someone that is broken, that is hurting, that is lost, extend mercy. That's why the Bible says that the Lord's mercies are anew every day. And the fourth and final thing today is this. Extending mercy can change hearts and lives. Extending mercy can change hearts and lives. Look in verse 21. Then Saul said, I have sinned. If David lets Abishai put a spear through his heart and he dies, Saul doesn't say what? I have sinned. And don't miss this. I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will harm you no more, because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Not only does he admit that he has sinned, he is willing to reconcile the relationship. He makes a promise that he will live differently than he did before, all because someone showed him mercy. And don't miss this. Do I believe Saul really repented here? I don't know Saul's heart, but from going forward, it doesn't look like it. But what do we believe about salvation? You have to admit that you are a sinner. You have to believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he is willing to extend mercy and grace to you. And he says, because David extended that mercy to him, then he says what? I will harm you no more. That he will live differently going forward. Admit. Believe. Confess. Turning from the direction you were going. To repenting to who Jesus is. But go on here and look because this is one of those verses that I think will help you. It goes, indeed I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. And David answered and said... Here is the king's spear. 
Let one of the young men come over and get it. May the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered you into my hand today. But I would not stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. And indeed, as your life has valued much this day in my eyes, so let my life be valued much in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You shall both do great things and also still prevail. So David went on his way, and Saul returned to his palace. I want to show you just a couple things. David did what he did, not to receive Saul's blessings, but to receive whose blessings? God's. You and I have to trust that if we will extend mercy, if we will be faithful to what God has commanded us to do, that his blessings are enough. That he will take care of what we need. Absolutely. You say, Jake, I don't want to extend mercy to that person who's ruined my reputation in the community. Trust that God has enough blessings to take care of it. You say, well, Jake, I, I can't extend mercy to that person who, who hurt me at work or those difficulties in relationships or, or this or that. You extend mercy and let God take care of meeting your needs. But I think this is something that is very fitting here. Even though Saul apologized, even though Saul wanted a restoration of that relationship, there was no restoration. David went his way and Saul went his. And I don't want you to miss this today. Just because you extend mercy to someone doesn't mean that things will go back to the way that they were before. I hope you hear this this morning because some of you really need to hear this. There are some people who have God sent here. I would have a hard time worshiping here. Not because I have, not because I haven't forgiven them. Not because I don't want them here. But the pain that has been caused is very great. Now you say, well, Jake, that is a terrible thing to say. No, it is the truth. And you see, David had been hurt by Saul and didn't know if he could trust Saul. And so even though Saul said, come and go home with me, David didn't go. And friends, you need to understand something. There will be times in your life when you can forgive a person, when you can honestly love a person, but yet that relationship will never be the same. And friends, today, it's okay. Maybe God will continue to work, continue to change, continue to do things, and that's fine. But friends, you have to let God do the sorting. You have to let God do the judging. You have to let God do the working these things out. And so this morning, I want you to know something. Always be willing to extend mercy because God was always willing to do what? Extend mercy to you. Always use that mercy as an opportunity to testify to what God can do. Always testify. There is nothing to testify about pouring out your judgment on other people. But one of these days when God pours out his judgment on the lost, on the great day of judgment, God will get glory. 
Judgment will not bring people closer to Jesus that we give them. The conviction of the Holy Spirit gives people what they need. Showing mercy to people is what they need. And so this morning I want you to know something that there will be two extremes on this sermon. One will be that we're never supposed to say anything. We're never supposed to hold anybody accountable. We're just supposed to let everybody do what they want and that's mercy and it's not. That's not mercy. Mercy is not giving people the punishment they deserve. But it's still the Bible teaches accountability. The other extreme will be, well, every time I've extended mercy, it's been taken advantage of, so I'm not going to extend mercy to no one. God can handle that. Neither of those extremes are correct. You have to be willing to extend mercy to people. But yet, even though mercy was extended, David still spoke the truth. David still said, you are pursuing me for no reason. I haven't wronged you. I, I haven't hurt you. I haven't betrayed you. I haven't done any of these things, but yet you still pursue me. And so that is why I believe in the New Testament, we are called to preach the truth. Friends, you ought to be willing to stand up and say what the Bible says in every situation. It doesn't matter if it's your kids, your family, your workplace. The word of God is true. And the gospel changes lives. The fact that you and I are sinners, that we have rebelled against God, that Jesus Christ died upon the cross, was buried, rose again. And if you will repent of your sins and turn to him, Call upon his name and accept him as the Lord and Savior of your life. You will be saved. You have to teach that. You have to believe that. But there should never be a time when Bible-believing Christians do what the Islamic faith does. Accept or die. Accept or pay more in taxes. Friends, I want you to hear this today. You can believe all the nonsense you want that CNN and MSNBC and Fox News tell you about Islam being a peaceful, welcoming religion, but it is not. It is a false religion with Satan as its head, and at some point, you will either turn and believe or you will die. That's the simple truth. Where the Christian faith teaches, God wants you to be saved. God died for your sins. The Spirit of God is drawing you gently, convicting you to be saved. But friends, He will not force you. And if you choose to rebel, you choose to reject, that's a decision you can make. But one of these days, God will judge you. But God is willing to extend mercy until the day that you take your final breath. And so as believers, what does that look for us? We need to be willing to extend mercy to one another. You say, well, Jake, you really hurt me in that sermon. Jerk, you really, Jake, you, really, you were a jerk in that meet, business meeting. Jake, you've you done this. and Okay, I'm sorry, and would you extend mercy? I say that about you. Well, well I've done this, and you've done that, and this happened, and that happened. Extend mercy. That doesn't mean we don't tell each other how we feel. It doesn't mean we don't tell each other the truth, but we extend mercy rather than judgment, 
rather than vindication, rather than vengeance, rather than I'm going to make it right on my own. God will handle it. What does that mean for the lost person that you work with, that you have in your family? That means lost people do what? Lost things. And so you should extend mercy. A lost person lies about you. You should expect it. A lost person makes fun of your faith. You should expect it. A lost person doesn't believe what the Bible says. You should expect it. Pray for them. Love them. Be be long-suffering toward them. Always telling them about Jesus. Because why? When David extended mercy to Saul, he realized the truth. And friends, if you and I will extend mercy to others, they might not accept the truth. but They will see the truth in action. And so my desire for this new year, for me as an individual, for us as a church, to one, be thankful for the mercy that God has given us. But two, be willing to extend mercy, not just inside these walls, but to those that God sends to us and that we are sent to. And so if you would bow your heads with me this morning. No one looking around. This morning, if you are thankful that God is willing to extend mercy to you, would you just slip up your hand? Thank you very much. You can put them down. If you're here this morning and you're thankful that not only did God extend that mercy to you, that you've accepted not only His mercy, but His grace through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Would you just slip up your hand? Amen. You can put them down. I didn't look this morning. When I said no one looking, that's exactly what I meant. But I want you to know something. This morning, if you're here and you could not raise your hand on that second one, today I want you to know that God still extended that mercy to you. He extended it through the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You say, Jake, I just I don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. I believe there are, there are good Muslims, there are, are good Hindus, there are good good atheists. There are none good. No, not one. There are no good Christians. You and I are all sinners who deserve the judgment and wrath of God. We deserve a hell that was created for Satan and his fallen angels because of what happened in the Garden of Eden. But friends, this morning, Jesus loved you so much that he says, I'm not going to give them what they deserve. I'm going to send my son, Jesus, to hang on a cross. And when he hung on the cross, the judgment of your sin and mine the punishment that was supposed to go to me was poured out on him. And as he hung there between heaven and earth, taking the judgment that we deserve, not receiving mercy, friends, it was also that you could be given mercy and grace. And as he died, he took the death that we deserve I believe he literally died. It was not a figurative death. He was dead. And three days later, he arose from the grave. 
And this morning, you can think good things about God. You can come to this church. You can be baptized. But if you have not repented of your sins, and that is saying, God, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I know that I'm a rebel. God, I know I have broken your laws and your commandments. And friends, if you have not trusted Jesus, accepted His gift of salvation that He purchased on the cross, friends, you're lost. You're still going to experience the judgment of God when you leave this world. But you don't have to. Today, God has extended mercy to you. He's given you another opportunity, another day, another chance. But friends, one of these days, that opportunity will be over. And so this morning, if you are here and you are not sure of your salvation, if you've never called upon Jesus, if today, if you do not know that you know Him, as the Lord and Savior of your life. I'm going to just ask that you slip up your hand. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to bother you. I'm not even going to open my eyes. And look. And I hope no one else is looking. But it's just an opportunity for you to acknowledge. Even what you're feeling in your heart. Maybe what God already knows. Because God already knows it. Just that first step. Saying I'm, I'm not sure. I'm lost. I don't know Jesus. And I don't know if there's a hand up in this place or not. But if your hand is up, I want you to know that God died for you. That He loves you. And that He will save you today. Don't wait. Here in just a moment when they begin to sing and play, come. It would be the greatest privilege of my life to stand here and to show you what the Bible says about being saved. It would be the greatest privilege of anyone's life to not only be saved, but to show someone else how to be saved. Maybe today you're already saved, and this part of the invitation wasn't for you. But today I want to ask you, have you been willing to extend mercy to other people? Is there someone in your life that you've got unforgiveness, and you've got hard feelings, and you've got bitterness toward, and God is telling you today, show them mercy? Maybe today you're in a place where you have just gotten over your salvation and you've not been thankful for the mercy that God gave you. Won't you find a spot and just say, God, thank you for giving me mercy. Lord, thank you for being willing to wait on me. Lord, thank you for being willing to die for me. And so this morning here in just a moment when this invitation begins, maybe it's something totally different. Find a place. Do business with God. So I'm going to ask that you stand right now. And as we pray, and as soon as we're done praying, Janice is going to be into play, Jamie's going to sing. You don't have to wait until that. But pray with me. Father, I come to you this morning, Lord, knowing that I don't deserve your mercy and grace, but I'm thankful for it. And I pray today, Lord, for that person that's here, man, woman, boy, or girl, that doesn't know you, Lord, that's that's running from you, that's denying you, that today would be the day they'd come and say, I'm thankful for God's mercy that's waited on me all this time. And I'm ready to receive his grace and forgiveness 
through Jesus. Father, please, this morning for the believer and those relationships in their life, that you would help them to extend mercy. And Father, most importantly, Lord, help us never to get over the fact that you have been merciful to us. And so, Father, whatever you're going to do today, I ask that you would do it for your glory and your glory alone and help us to give you all the credit and the honor. And, Father, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.